we're talking red and white today. Detroit Red Wings and how they've not got one, not got two, not got three. They've got 11 Stanley Cups and uh, plenty of history for us to refer to, including octopuses. We're also talking about the LA Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks. They have both sacked their coaches this week. It's been a crazy week in the NHL for changes. We're going to look into the relationship between coaches and GMs and whether it is the be-all and end-all to have a world-class coach to win the Stanley Cup. Plus, do players have a right to privacy? Should they be allowed to have an opinion or should they just keep their heads down and do their job? It's after Ottawa Senators' uh, players were caught out in a taxi when a video was leaked where they weren't too pleasant about their assistant coach. They've since apologised, but were they right to even be allowed to do that in the first place? And everybody's favourite pantomime villain, Brad Marchand, has been at it again. He was up to some antics in Nashville. We'll talk about that and why that may be damaging to the sport that we love. We're also going to be talking a lot with our guest, Graham, who is a Detroit fan. That's all coming up on another fabulous episode of NHL Fans From Afar. So, Claire, it has been a busy, busy week in the NHL. I know. I feel like every every hour you kind of have to go and check on Twitter this week just to make sure that you haven't missed anything. Who's been fired now? Yeah. Who's who's like, you know, what kind of suspensions have been happening? It's just like, it, it's insane, isn't it? I can't. And when you try and have a real life and a real job, yeah, it's hard work. I mean, That's... yeah, sometimes you're, you're just thinking about the NHL. You might be in a taxi with some mates chatting about all sorts of stuff. Who knows what can happen this week in the NHL? There's been some crazy stuff going on, including that taxi journey. Uh, the members of the Ottawa Senators took uh, that has now become infamous, which we'll talk about that a little bit later. Brad Marchand is being Brad Marchand uh, again. Um, and of I course, detest that guy. <laughs> I'm glad you're on board with that because uh, I can't stand him. But you What know, Leafs fan would like a Boston Bruins player anyway? I know, but I have to admit, I after thinking about it a little bit this week, after watching his ridiculous dive which we'll go on uh, and talk a little bit more about later I was thinking about it and going do you know what if he played for my team I'd love him <laughs> I, I really would I would love him and there's a little bit of like uh, Nazim Kadri and all of the every team has a player like him Brad Marchand is just like the top of that league of players like yeah. him and I think if you're a Boston Bruin you love everything that man does do you know my highlight of this week Joe Long? go on him it was was it uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs beating Pittsburgh in <laughs> Pittsburgh 5-0 well, obviously yes, that goes up you. there very good but my highlight was uh, getting a cheeky game at 11 o'clock oh, UK time oh, yeah. and then me you and Matt Day who was our Dallas Stars fan uh, the other week all doing banter whilst we were watching it it was like I was watching it with people I know it was like we were actually over there in North America watching it at an almost decent time and we were just having a chat with some friends about the game I mean it, it, the game went the wrong way and it was you know painful to watch for the Leafs but yeah it was good fun actually and I can imagine like how much fun would it be supporting and watching a team in your time zone <laughs> how cool is that what a novel idea. Not so great, though, when all three of us were uh, 
on slightly different uh, delays oh, yeah. of watching the game. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert! Yeah, the perils, the perils of watching it on live streaming where what some of you, as you say, are slightly behind. And yeah, I'd get a message from Claire going, how did he miss that? And I'm going, miss what? Like, they have a defensive zone face-off. Like, what, what did he miss? And then, of course, 30 seconds later, oh, that's the one, of course. Well, I now know that wasn't going in. Great. Thanks. But we did all catch up by the second, didn't we? We we were we were in sync for the second period onwards. And uh, yeah, no, it was good fun. It was good fun. It was a sh- just a shame about the result. <laughs> I know. I do love that. Late night hockey, watching it in the middle of the night, knowing that there's other saddos doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, good exactly. Stuff. And we have got to talk about Chicago. I mean, the, this news broke just before we recorded the podcast this week, thankfully, because that would have been really awkward if we hadn't. <laughs> um, and yeah, sacking their coach, Quenville. I mean... Just amazing. This guy's won three Stanley Cups. He's taken them to the Western Conference Final something like five times. He's been the coach there for 10 years. Just an incredible legacy that guy guy leaves. But they missed out on the playoffs one year. That's all it was. Mm. And now he's got sacked. Well, we're talking about does a team's success really live and die with the head coach? That's because of Chicago and LA Kings. We're talking about mock dives and players acting out. Is it entertaining or is it just downright stupid? And also players and privacy. Do they have a right to an opinion or should they just keep their heads down and do their job. That's after Ottawa Senators players were secretly filmed by a taxi driver uh, when they were being fairly disgruntled about their coach and special teams. They've since apologised, but it certainly was an ouch moment for fans of NHL from across the league. But let's crack on with uh, introducing our guest, hey? Um, Yeah, definitely. Detroit Red Wings. Uh, They are the team who have won, American team who have won the most number of Stanley Cups, 11 Stanley Cups. Me and Jolon probably would never know what that was like. (laughs) No, just winning a Stanley Cup would be nice in our lifetime. Exactly. But we are delighted to um, welcome from uh, Glasgow, Graham Thompson, who's a co-host of the Purple Army podcast, a long-suffering fan of the now-named Glasgow clan. It's a team in the UK's Elite League. And uh, Graham... Now you seem to uh, be slightly suffering as your team, Detroit Red Wings, go through a bit of a long rebuild. How are you feeling right now as a Detroit fan? Uh, I'm feeling kind of, I'll put it this way, it was inevitable. I don't think there's any Red Wings fans that were not expecting really what's happening right now. It's been coming for a while. And I think we probably just want to get Babcock to win the cup uh, with his new team, and then we can move on as part of our rebuilding process. So, yeah, it's, it's just get it out of the way. It's got to happen. Get it out of the way, and then we can just move on. I'm all in favour of that, Graham. I'm all in. I, I know you're not meaning that as a particular compliment towards the Leafs. Not really. But no. I'm all in favour for it. It makes us both happy. <laughs> Graham, tell us how, how have you come to fall in love with ice hockey as a sport, but also. Uh, Particularly Detroit as well. It's uh, it's funny because I'm I'm a I've been a long time fan of most North American sports. If this was NFL fans from afar, I'd be talking about the Washington Redskins since 1982. If it was MLB fans from afar, I'd be talking about the Blue Jays since 1983. But it's NHL fans from afar, so I'm talking about the Detroit Red Wings for the last what five or six years, basically. And uh, the reason why is. I've I've had I've also had an interest in the NHL, but I was kind of trying to find a team to really support. I had a tenuous 
affection, if you like, for the for the Maple Leafs because I have family in Toronto. But any time I was in Toronto, it was the summer, so I never got to a game. The best I could do was come back with a hoodie or a cap or something like that. So that wasn't quite the fandom connection that I was looking for. And during the last NHL lockout, um, Drew Miller, who was a third-line forward for, for the Red Wings, came over amongst a, a number of NHLers that came over and he joined the clan uh, for a short period of time and uh, he and what was a difficult season it was clan's third season we were a very new club it was clan's third season and we'd punched above our weight for the first two seasons so everybody was kind of on a high and we were expecting more of the same and the third season was a struggle for all sorts of different reasons and drew miller signing was frankly I suppose ultimately the, the the highlight of the season, and he came over and he was the ultimate professional. And fans had a lot of t- a lot of opportunities to interact with him. I'd met with him a few times myself, and I was just struck by what a nice guy he was. And he was quite happy to talk about the wings. And I'd I'd been a Datsuk fan for quite a while, so although not a Red Wings fan, I. I, I love Pavel Datsuk and I watched video clips of him for a long time before I became a Red Wings fan. So we had a you know we had a bit of a chat about Datsuk and, and stuff like that. And it was I really at that point I thought, okay, this is I think I'm on board with the Red Wings now. And that's kind of been it. And I, I've had one or two people say to me, Well, when Drew Miller moves on from the Red Wings, presumably you'll find another team to support, but <laughs> that's not happening. I've invested far too much blood, sweat and tears and late nights in the Red Wings now. Uh so and once I'm all in, that's me, I'm all in. So that's kind of where the connection started. <laughs> it's been a, an interesting couple of seasons, hasn't it, for Detroit? But what do you kind of know about the history of the Red Wings? Because it goes back such a long time. I mean, they're one of the original teams, aren't they? I know they've had a couple of other names in their, in their history as well. Have you kind of, as a, as a diehard fan, kind of gone a bit digging into some of the key legendary players? And even like, you know, they moved to a new arena last year, didn't they? Um, but the history that was in the Joe Louis arena, um, that kind of stuff. Do you kind of geek out on some of that stuff? I probably not as much as I should, to be honest with you. But I, I do have a genuine appreciation for their original six status, what they've been through, their eleven Stanley Cup wins, as you were talking about earlier on. Only two behind Toronto, so you never know. And um, it's uh, yeah, so you have an appreciation for the history, and you know, obviously Gordy Howe and, and players like that. I mean, they're legendary in NHL, so I think any NHL fan must have an appreciation for the Detroit Red Wings. And anytime I hear anybody talking about the Detroit Red Wings, there is usually a lot of respect for them as an organisation and where where their standing is in NHL history. So I, I get all of that and I'm and I'm happy to be a fan of a club that has that kind of that that kind of background. Obviously being fairly new as a proper fan if you like uh to the nhl and also to the to, to the red wings themselves um you know you live in the present and hopefully have an eye to the future so you kind of concentrate on that but it, it is nice to have that kind of knowledge i'd probably appreciate it even more if i'd had the chance to actually visit a, and, and take in a game and obviously i hope that will happen one of these days and i'll probably feel even more connected to the club <laughs> in that respect but you know as as a as an nhl fan from from afar it's uh it's it's great. I mean, there's there's a wealth of material available to you, and I've I've had a I've had a look back. I've when Gordy Howe sadly passed away, I I didn't know that much about him. I confess, and I, I read up on him, and everything I read just 
brought home to me just what a monumental figure he was in the sport. Um, so, you know, it's things like that. There's there's lots to delve into, and I probably haven't done anything like enough of it. But uh, <laughs> it's one of these things. It's, it's, let's call it a work in progress at the moment. Don't worry about it. Claire loves all of this, like, stats and history <laughs> about the NHL. I'm I'm with you. I am very much have to... takes me enough time just to keep up with the now, let alone <laughs> looking at the, the past. Now, I, I went out to Detroit last year uh, just for a holiday because my, my girlfriend's born there she only lived there for like kind of a year but anyway she was born there so she wanted to go back to Detroit uh so we had a look around I kind of hid my Leafs jersey and uh, and put on a normal t-shirt for the first time of that holiday and walked around Detroit and the place I have to admit just loves its hockey it's just so many references to hockey, it being hockey town. The bars are all kind of... And, you know, there are many sports teams in Detroit, and yet hockey is the one they seem to just really, really love. And now that's even last year when things weren't going so well. Guy, I think you're right. There, There is something special about supporting an original six team um, when you go out to Detroit as well. It, it does feel a little bit special. Feel You can tell that it's a club steeped in history. But the thing is about history, and this is going to come up for us when we go to talk about LA Kings and Chicago Blackhawks a little bit later, whether history helps or hinders a Mm. club. Because when you look at the Red Wings um, kind of cup history, last cup was 2007-8 year. And then the year after, there was a loss in the final. So um, then does that mean, and I know that this is something that uh, you will probably have seen with Glasgow clan fans, Graham, where do fans kind of have much higher expectations when a club um, does well or in this case has actually gone and won cups? You know, does that put more pressure on, on expectation from the fans? I think it has to because I mean I'm it's it's kind of generational as well. If you're a fairly young-ish type fan um, of of the Red Wings, you you know about the success that the organisation has experienced, and you want to be part of the same kind of thing happening again. You want to experience that because undoubtedly you've heard about it from from be it your parents or grandparents or whatever. You you, you want you want more of that to happen, so you want to be part of that. Um, it, it's it does bring a lot of expectation with it. I think, unfortunately, I think what was part of the Red Wings' problem was this twenty-five years consecutive playoff qualifications. That seemed to be, to me anyway, that seemed to be as long as we get to the playoffs and we keep that run going, that will take a lot of pressure off. And I think, I think quite a lot of Detroit fans, certainly from what I picked up from on, had kind of picked up too much on that. There was too much emphasis on it, so that when the run was broken, as unfortunate as that was, I think that did get a bit of a monkey off the organisation's back. But at the same time, it was kind of like, well, okay, now it's not about trying to extend that run. What happens next? And that is going to be Blashill's problem now. I mean, the the pressure that's heaping on Blashill right now. Um, uh, I don't know if you're going to ask me about it at any point, but I'll tell you now. I I can't see him, la- you know, lasting out the season. To be honest with you, really? if they yeah, if they are as if they're as poor as early indications suggest. I know they've won three of the last four games, but I genuinely think that they have some real problems in terms of their roster. Um, we've still got 
some bad contracts there. Um, I think we've got a goaltending issue because Howard's doing an okay job, um, but Jonathan Bernie is just not getting it done at this moment in time. Hopefully he will come on because his stats tell you that that's what should happen. Mm. Um, but we've you know we've got a lot of young players. Last few games we've had third and fourth line players getting first and second line minutes. Um, and there's a lot of young guys. It's a time to discover some new heroes, that's for sure. We've got Dylan Larkin, who's obviously uh, coming of age now. And, and I think having taken a bit of stick last year for me, perhaps a little bit one-dimensional, he now seems to be becoming the proper two-way forward that he was promising to be. So that there's, there's some definite good things happening. But mm. I genuinely think, and partly coming back to the point, partly because of the history, because the playoff run is now defunct, I think Blash was really up against it to last out the year, genuinely. But when I, when, I mean, I watched them against Toronto and they, they reminded me a lot, and a lot of people mentioned this on the broadcast, they reminded me of the Leafs a few years ago when they had the season when the Leafs finished bottom of the NHL. But the thing that made that palatable as a fan was at least they were playing good hockey. Now, they weren't winning and they weren't scoring enough and they were letting too many goals in. And I know that kind of sounds like, well, that's the fundamentals of hockey that you're getting wrong if you're not doing either of those things. However, the effort and the the kind of the way they were playing was there enough that you could watch it as a fan and think, do you know what? I can see that this team has got something. They're not there yet because they're obviously missing a few stars. They're missing a few veterans. They're just full of kids. But when I watched Detroit earlier on in the season, and I have to be honest, I haven't seen much of them since, they did have that. They looked good. They they were quick. They were pacey. Has that fallen away a little bit as the season's gone on? Uh, not not so much. I mean, we've got a quick team. We've got some quick players. I mean, we're going to talk about a team that doesn't have many quick players in it shortly, but it's got some quick players. It's got some skilled players. The power plays 10th in the league at the moment. The penalty kills 13th in the league. So special teams are, are, are doing well. But... I think as an overall package and looking at the roster throughout, there's a distinct lack of depth. We're struggling through injuries at this moment in time. We've got guys like Franz Nielsen out and, what, and I think Anthony Sears has been out as well. Um, so, you know, we, it's not the kind of roster we can where we can afford some of our top players to, to be out for any length of time. I just, again, it's early days and we don't know, and I really do hope I'm wrong, but I just I just think, I see the pressure that's mounting on Blashill. I, can, I, I look at a lot of what's going on with the social media around Detroit to, to try and get a feel for what's going on, and I, the guy's just under immense pressure, and he's also coming under a lot of criticism for not being adventurous enough in changing things. He's still essentially running with the same system that Babcock, that Babcock run with. And I think he's getting a lot of criticism for that. I think the Detroit fans see that the game is changing. It's, it is fast and okay, we have some speed, but it is changing and there's too much reliance on things as they used to be under Babcock. Blashill scene has been a you know, a, a kind of surrogate of Babcock, if you like, if that's the right word. He's, he's not changed enough. And still has and still hasn't changed enough to 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 see the the side progress. And how long has I don't he know. been in the role for? Yeah, uh, what two years? Two years now. Yeah, mm. he's been there a yeah. while, hasn't he? Yeah. So, but and this is the thing. I think I think time's running out. It's it's a balance between the expectation that the 
the wings are going to be bad. It's the question more of how bad are they going to be? Yeah. I mean, the, the Ottawa Senators are above us right now. That's how bad we are. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although you're above the Florida Panthers, which We're you wouldn't have Florida seen Panthers. that. <laughs> you, if yeah. I'd have said to you at the start of the season, you'd be above Florida. You'd have gone, yes, please. I'll take that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, how much do you think? I mean, losing Zetterberg, Henrik Zetterberg, a player like him at the start of the season where he got injured and then uh, announced his retirement. How much do you think he was part of the Detroit plan this season before his injury? Uh, probably too much, yeah. <laughs> genuinely speaking. I, I think, again, it comes back to this reliance on how things have been. Yeah. The, the icons have left Detroit. There are no, there's, the Datsuk's long gone. Obviously, Zetterberg's now gone. These these players who were the icons under Detroit, they're away now. It's time to find the new icons. And, you know, that's where, at the moment, you have to say Dylan Larkin's the only one that looks yeah. ready to, to, to come into that kind of role. There's other players at the moment who are showing up well. Tyler Bertuzzi, in particular, has have, had a really good start to the season the Detroit fans are, are waxing lyrical about him right now if he keeps it going then great there's another there's another new hero to, to, to bring in um, but it's it's still too early to say but you know I, th- I think it's a hell of a environment for a fairly young new player to come in and you know playing for an original six team with that kind of pressure I'm sure it's what players that have come into Toronto have felt like for you know for too long um, yeah. but you know it's it's it's, it's, a, it's immense pressure as I say and uh, yeah coming back to the, Dylan Larkin's only 22 years old isn't he yeah, it's amazing exactly. he's, yeah. he's got an A on his sleeve and he's 22 years old he's just got a 13 and a half million dollar new contract signed how many of- I think it's uh, hang on, thirty point five million dollars for a five-year contract. All oh, right, okay, all right. I thought it was every year. No, I was thinking he's paid more than McDavid. Yeah, it's crazy. Ca- it's cap, it's, it's cap, it's cap at six point one million. Oh, okay. Dollars, oh, yeah, that so... feels better. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, man. Uh, but, but I disagree with him getting the A. I, I thought he was too young when they gave him the A, but. Of course, they have a number of A's. They've got four A's and no captains. So is it that's that just about how... history, though, Graham? Because you know he's a he's a local boy. He's playing for his home NHL team, so to speak. Um, and kind of uh, if there is this original six, the history involved in Detroit, um, having that local boy investing in him for five years is clearly pulling out the points. So he's he's doing well on paper as well, um, as well as the ice and marketing wise. Is it is it something down to do with the promotional aspect of uh, putting someone like that in the limelight? Uh, very possibly. But of course, you know, as, as as you can guess, that only lasts so long. And the problem for Larkin is the fact that if he's going to be the player who doesn't get the wings to the to the playoffs for the next two or three years, that you know, that's not going to do his career any favour. He's going to have to go mm-hmm. elsewhere uh, to try and you know uh, reestablish his reputation. Now, I hope that doesn't happen. But again. You know, the next question is how long is it going to take for for the Red Wings to to make the playoffs? And the expectation at the moment is that you know two years maximum. So straight away, there's more pressure because you know it is a rebuild that's going on, and is the rebuild going to happen that quickly? I must say, I was laughing. Um, uh, do, do you remember um, the video that came out when Dylan Larkin? Signed. He was nicknamed D Boss, wasn't he? Because there was this That's video right. that came out on YouTube when he was 13 years old of him shooting <laughs> pucks in his basement with his mate. I mean, he looks so young. It's quite hilarious. But there's a real nice likability about him. But it sounds like uh, even at present, 
he uh, he's got one of the uh, guys who's fairly new, uh, a real young guy who's sharing a room with him, and he's already kind of stepping up as a leader and taking some of the younger guys under his wing to kind of. Uh, I don't know, just get that positive mentality uh, in the locker room. I can't remember the name of the guy who he's living it's, with. It's uh, Michael Rasmussen. There you go. See, That's, I find that yeah. interesting because as a comparable to Toronto with uh, with that kind of attitude to y- the youth, I mean, they have Toronto have really stayed away from giving the likes of Marner, Matthews, Nylander a, a letter on their jersey for a long time. And they've actually taken it further than that, that if you go and look at posters, certain, maybe not so much this year, Matthews has crept into a few now, but um, certainly last year and the year before, you looked at the kind of posters that the Maple Leafs would put out and they would all be featuring the likes of Tyler Bozak and James Van Riemsdyk. And I remember mm-hmm. the one from last year for the Winter Classic was something like Morgan Riley, Tyler Bozak and Leo Komarov were the three Leafs players who they were kind of poster boys for this outdoor classic. And I think there's been a real effort to try and shield the likes of Marner, Matthews, Nylander from what is a crazy hockey market in Toronto as much as they can. I find it really interesting that Detroit have given this guy an A so early on when the likes, when the spotlight will shine on him, when there are no Zetterbergs, when presumably Cromwell will retire next year, don't know, maybe. Um, and there is a real kind of platform for him to step up into and whether that's early on too early nah, I don't maybe know. it's because as graham says there isn't really any uh, anyone else true yeah although there are still a few veterans around but you're right there's not that many and it very interesting i was just looking at your um without going into too much detail about this but just looking at your cap space and your cap hit oh well, look now who's doing stats i know this is amazing i mean <laughs> you guys are kind of up against the the cap hit this year but um but looking at the amount of cap that comes off next season obviously depending if you re-sign anyone but you're talking about having like it could i mean this is very rough maths but i've just counted up about 20 million of cap space that could potentially be available to you next year so that that to Mm. me with a group of young players who are going to get a lot of nhl experience this year that was the good thing for the leafs that year that they tanked that at least there was a there was a whole season when a lot of young players could get a lot of NHL experience, albeit of losing a lot, but they still got that experience. So then when you add that with a load of cap space, then you've suddenly got, actually, you can start building that and you obviously get higher draft picks as well. Yeah, it'll be the first time that, in, that anybody from Detroit's been able to go shopping for quite a long time because yeah. cap space cap space has been a problem yeah. for many years for Detroit. And don't forget as well, as an organisation... Um, I'm not too sure about this, but I would I would reckon that probably more than any other organisation, it's really dependent on its development side. Mm. So it has a very, it's got a vast develop, develop sorry, development side to to the organisation, and it has a successful track record by and large. So that's a good way of saving money, and that's how they've got away with constantly being up against the cap for a good number of years. So uh, yes, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe when Steve Eisenman eventually takes over, maybe we'll have a whole new approach. <laughs> who's, your, who's your AHL team? Who's your affiliate? That's the Grand Rapids Griffins. And are they good? Yeah, they are good. I mean, again, to be honest with you, this is this is part of Blash Blashill's problem as well. They were very, very good under Blashill, and he's gone, and they're still very, very good. So, you know, it's uh, it's uh, had they collapsed a little bit after Blashill 
took over at Red Wings, that might have uh, told a slightly different story, but they're still doing well. So um, it's all guns to bear on, on Blashill at this moment in time. And I feel sorry for the guy, but that's it's been used as an R stick to beat him with at this moment in time. You guys, sorry, just very quickly on this. I'm fascinated, but you'll uh, go on to cap friendly. If anybody has an, any NHL fans out there want to know more about their team's cap situation, there's this incredible website called capfriendly.com. And you can go in depth and look through all of the different uh, facts and figures about each team. And I've just been looking. You guys have got $17 million on injury reserve this year. I mean, $17 million tied up in injury reserve alone, let alone... Well, what, the... per- what percentage is that of the entire Well, the cap's what, 80... Budget. What's the cap now? <clears throat> 85, is it? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. That. yeah. yeah. Nearly... 17 of that is tied up on injury reserve. Oh, my God. One in... What's that? One in four, nearly a, qu- a quarter of your... I mean, obviously that Zetterberg, I, I'm not quite sure how it's worked out with Zetterberg with him retiring and, and his situation. But He's still in contract, yeah. But yeah he's I still mean, in contract, yeah. He's in $6 million a year. So all of that kind of, you know, uh, that, I don't know how that will work out. But yeah, I mean, it's, there is a lot of room there potentially, as you say, for the first time for Detroit for quite a long time. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of celebrations next year of uh, honouring players who have kind of, uh, retired, I would imagine. I'd imagine Cromwell, if he decides to go, will get uh, an honour of some sort, and Zetterberg certainly will. I think they'll be looking to celebrate that as well as maybe get the top draft pick as well. Who knows? Yeah, but, uh, yeah of course, that'll be something you're going to we'll be fighting, fighting Florida for it, of all, <laughs> of all teams. Well, I don't know. The Kings have got in there as well all of a sudden, they, so they hopefully have. they can improve dramatically. Shall, I, shall we move on to talking about that? No. Oh, have you got more? I've just got to say, we cannot not mention octopus when you talk about detroit red wings the what you, now yeah do you not know about this Jaron? No, no oh my god so the other week i was getting excited when i was talking about various mascots so we learned that um dallas stars mascot was oh, yeah. called victory green yeah. um detroit have you know this right graham Al the octopus? oh yes yeah oh yes i know i know about Al. yeah Al <laughs> the octopus right this is the story, Jolon. Yeah, Are you ready? Then I'll begin. In 1952, two fish merchants, <laughs> they threw an octopus onto the ice, right? Right. And uh, it's because that was back in the day, we needed to get eight wins to get a Stanley Cup. And so they needed something with eight legs. And that's where <laughs> wow. the octopus came in, right? What a change. <laughs> and so since then, it's become like this tradition, or it was in, in the old arena, uh, where they uh, fans threw octopus onto the ice is like, kind of a bit of a good look thing. Well, like real grim. ones? Yes. So Real octopus they for, threw onto the ice. For the photo of this episode, courtesy of the NHL, <laughs> uh, of which I'll put a photo credit, I will put a picture of their Zamboni driver who has, you know, been with the club for 30 years and his name is Al, hence the mascot is called Al the Octopus because it's named after him. Right. And he is the guy who used to go and collect the octopus off the ice and oh, then man. twirl them around his head. And get this, even better, in the 2008 playoffs, the NHL was going to fine him $10,000 yeah. for twirling the octopus if they were thrown on the ice yeah. because it bits of the octopus were going over the ice, uh... disrupting uh, the game, and also they could have got into the opposing goalie's eyes. And then uh, apparently they, the NHL changed their mind after much controversy and said, no, it's all right, you can twirl the octopus, just do it near where the Zamboni gate is. So this is a real thing. Oh, right? I don't want to sound like a spoil sport, but th- that's just gross. 
I mean, in fairness, the Nashville <laughs> Predators fans they, sh- they they throw catfish onto the ice now as well. What? So this is oh yeah, this is this is a this is a real thing for how, NHL fans. How are there not animal rights groups just there like are. up in arms there about are. this yeah. practice? I don't know how you get like, it in. Flying that flag, but, but come on! <laughs> how do ridiculous. you pack? How do you take? An octopus? Yeah. Into, do you put it in a bag? Do you put it in a cool box? I don't think you can even take like uh, like bottle tops on bottles and things like that, and yet you can bring in an octopus. This is ridiculous. Well, there's some arenas in this country you can't smuggle in a sandwich, so how no, you can exactly. actually get in an octopus, yeah, exactly. I just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, honestly, this octopus is to throw on the ice, not to eat. Don't worry. <laughs> but the, the honestly... Fun, the, the funniest <laughs> thing of all about the octopus is that they've, over the years they've made it very cuddly and customer-friendly and logo-friendly, yeah. and they've, they've got a big... Uh, they had a big mock-up of, a, of an octopus with all done up with the jersey on and what have you. Hmm. And because, because it now takes 16 games... To win the Stanley Cup, there's two of them in the <laughs> arena, but it's they'll raise up if they if they get to the final. Oh <laughs> well, the octopuses won't be what too worried, will they, for a while? <laughs> yeah, who's counting at the moment? Do you know what? Do you know what the plural of uh, octopus is? Octopi? No. Oh, that's what it, I thought. It's octopuses. Is it? Is it actually? Yeah, it is. That's the kind of word you say, and then you instantly regret because you think you sound like an idiot when you say it. <laughs> octopuses. I uh, know. Uh, I mean octopi. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, good pub quiz knowledge there. Good there pub you go. quiz knowledge. Statman is here alive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Right. Should we talk about? Uh, we briefly mentioned them actually. The LA Kings. Uh, let's talk about coaches um, because. It's been a big week in the NHL for coaches or, or coaches being sacked. Um, we had most recently um, Joel Quenville of the Chicago Blackhawks getting uh, sacked, which I think is fair to say is a surprise. I know they missed out on the playoffs last year and they've struggled a little bit this season, but you would imagine the fact that he's got three Stanley Cups and something like five Western Conference titles and blah, blah, blah. All of this kind of stuff would have kept him going a little bit longer. But is it, I mean, it's interesting that uh, Chicago have decided to act this quickly. Bear in mind, last year, there wasn't a single NHL coach fired in the regular season. Is that correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty that's sure correct. that yeah, is correct. That's right. yeah. uh, and we've already had a couple this season. Interesting how that's changed this season. And there is a real feeling around the NHL now that you need to get to the playoffs. Now, that's obviously linked to revenue, I would imagine, as well. But there is a real feeling that teams like Chicago and LA, probably as well, want to be in the playoffs every year. And all it's taken for Chicago and potentially LA, but Chicago definitely this year, they have been out of the playoffs one year and now they have sacked their coach with all this history. Yeah, but the thing that I kind of feel about this, that is the most bizarrest thing ever, is it feels a bit like you're a wife who's been married to your husband for about (laughs) 25, 30 years. You've got experience, you've got children, you've got grandchildren, you've got a couple of properties, right? You've invested. Living the dream. You've got a lot of life things that you've been through together. And then suddenly your husband says, no, I'm leaving you and leaves you for a younger model. Yeah, you know much I mean? younger model, thirty-three-year-old model. The guy they've taken, and and I had to go and listen to a few of the um, a uh, few of the guys' kind of reaction stuff uh, to find out how to pronounce his name. It's Jeremy Collatin, hmm. is how you say his oh, name. Collatin. Okay. Collatin. Yeah. Right. He's thirty-three years old. I mean, he's got players in his team who are older than him. He's got four. Four he's, players. He's, he's only been, uh, you know, in the AHL as a head coach for a limited amount of time. It's his first time as NHL coach. I mean, what 
But is this not a case of adapt or die for the Chicago Blackhawks? Is this not... I mean, you're right. It's, you know, he's got four players that he's younger than. Duncan Keith, Corey Crawford, uh, Chris Kunitz and Cam Ward. But does that matter? I mean, look at Toronto hiring in Carl Dubas, youngest GM. You know, moving from Lou Lamorello, who is a trusted hockey man and has all of these years experience of, you know, he knows the game inside out. He knows everything about it. And instead they bring in a guy like Kyle Dubas, who's been around a lot of the kind of the younger teams and the Marlies and things like that. But he's he's a relatively unknown commodity. But surely it's just a case of adapt or die. Well, it depends what his assistant coaches are like. I don't know very much about them. And also what I wanted to work out was, have they announced him as head coach or is he interim Head coach. No, I think he is head coach. I See, think he is head coach, yeah. yeah. I think he is, because yeah. LA went down the interim, didn't they, I think? So let's just look at LA Kings. I know we can't really compare them, but they've, you know, the John Stevens. this is his second season um, as LA Kings uh, head coach, and years he was assistant coach, so he'd been there and seen um, those Stanley Cup wins as well. So he had a lot of history with the team, mm. but they have... Uh, not gone for a 33-year-old. Instead, they've gone from an interim head coach, although the GM, Rob Blake, seems to think that the, that uh, Willie Desjardins may be in place until the end of the season. But here you've got someone who's uh, coached Team Canada during the Winter Olympics. You know, he did three years with the Canucks, albeit he got fired. Um, much more kind of experience. And that kind of at least makes a bit more sense to what Chicago's done. And also, on Chicago, I thought that the game they played against the Leafs, they looked one of the worst teams that I've seen this year. They they genuinely did look so far off the pace. And bear in mind, you've just signed, uh, signed Drew Doughty to a you know humongous contract. You've got some big contracts, some players who you signed up for very long term, who are towards the kind of end of their careers, or certainly they've peaked in their careers. Mm. And I, I looked at LA and thought that, this team does not look good, which is not what I felt about Chicago. Chicago, to me, I mean, Kane and Taves still, I know they're not quite, you know, firing like they have done on their prime, but they still looked a good team. I mean, they still looked like they had a chance, certainly, of getting in the playoffs this season. But I guess it was such a drastic fall for Chicago. Well, have a look. Why don't you go into your... Um... Uh, cap-friendly website. Oh, yeah. Have a look at Chicago's salary cap because uh, I just want to mention something that, Graham, you mentioned this about older players. The veteran core of LA Kings might be something that will prove to be a problem for this team. Is that what something you were going to mention? Graham? Something, sorry, sorry, something I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the, no the th- about Chicago, the, the, the other factor involved here is that um, Quenville's got and has had for a long time a very difficult relationship with Stan Bowman, the GM. Yeah. I mean, How even so? when time, well, who knows, clash of personalities. There's, there's, there's quite a lot of talk about the fact that these two had um, not major bust ups, but certainly bust ups, even when times were fairly good. So it didn't. The talk is at the moment that I've picked up on today is that um, it wasn't going to take that much for Bowman to try and get them out that's yeah. that's according to what I've read and as I know it's the same in anything in business or anything if you're not getting on with your boss then something's going to have to give and maybe that's maybe that's what it was I think I think it's interesting that relationship between the coach and the GM because often I I've got no stats to prove this but 
often you can imagine that that relationship is going to be a challenge, and it should be. They should they should argue over things. They should have different opinions because that's healthy. But you can imagine if things constantly if things don't go the GM's way and they put a couple of players in and they don't succeed, then the only way the GM can kind of try and keep their job is to blame the coach for it and saying that he's not coaching the players he's giving him right. Otherwise, it's the GM that goes. And I just wonder whether those GMs have a possibly a closer relationship with the ownership group or the owner than the coach does and therefore the coach is the one that gets sacked even though that's not always yeah. where the fault lies. It's it's interesting isn't it when you compare NHL with something like Premier League, right? Yeah. Because in Premier League the managers are in and out the doors so blooming quickly and mm. it's all on the manager isn't it and you very rarely even know who the GM or who members of the management team are whereas in NHL it feels a little bit more like the head coach and GM they're not quite on par the GM obviously is hierarchically higher yeah. but there is a, you, you, the fact that we know who these GMs are kind of at least the, the finger pointing is almost at multiple people not just always on the coach um but, i mean yeah i mean but there have been some questionable trades that have come out of chicago hasn't there i'm thinking like of the uh the panarin trade am i right in saying panarin for brendan sad uh sad, is that. That sad? Uh, sad i can't quite remember how you pronounce his name hmm. um but there have been some trades where you've you've kind of wondered where they were going with it and maybe it was down to the cap and obviously you've got two you know huge hugely paid stars in Kane and Tave, so you have got to kind of work around that. But I, I, I kind of agree with Graham in the fact that I just wonder whether this to me looks like a GM who has gone, I've put, I, you know, I've made moves and they've not worked these last few years and the blame has got to go somewhere. So let's make sure it goes on the coach. Mm. But- and what you have now, sorry, Claire, but what you have now is you have a, a very inexperienced head coach. The assistant coaches, I don't, I haven't, I don't know if they've been announced yet because the assistant coaches under Quenville have gone too. So it's it's a whole new coaching team that has to come in straight away and start making things work. I think and they have. I think for both teams a, they've announced, yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. who they are though. Yeah. I don't know about them. Good luck to them. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a very interesting but, season. See, this is where I was saying... You know, does a team success really live and die with the head coach? You know, does will a coach really, a changing coach really make a difference? I think it can make a difference. I just don't think it can, they, teams live or die by coaches in the NHL because you mentioned Premier League football and I believe that teams do live and die by the coach in Premier League football because mm. of the amount of control and power that those coaches have mm. or certainly the public thinks that they have anyway. It might be different for certain uh, teams. But in the NHL, if you're you can be a world class coach, but if your GM gives you a rubbish roster, then what are you going to do? Mm. Mm. And vice versa. I mean, the same is the other way around. Sounds like I'm kind of like flying the flag for team coaches here, but you know, the other way around is the same. You know, if you're a brilliant GM and you get the best players and you make an incredible roster, and then the coach messes it up, then you know, it's got to be a partnership and there's got to be that kind of unity. And for all of those big teams that go on to win for years and years and years, you almost you almost don't want to know who the GM is. And I think that's something as soon as the GM starts getting into the headlines and there are talk of 
any kind of friction, negative friction that gets out into the public, mm. I think that's when that can have a real detrimental effect on the team. OK, all right. Well, let's move on because another talking point that came out early this week uh, was about players and privacy. Yeah. Uh, this was when it was one of those, oh my God, did that really happen kind of moments. I thought it was a joke. Well, when I first saw it on Twitter, I thought it was some kind of like late night TV spoof or something like that. It, what happened was Ottawa Senators uh, players were in a taxi. They were in a, an Uber and uh, they were in Arizona and they were secretly filmed or whether they were openly videoed. Right, it was openly filmed, um, openly wasn't videoed, it? Yeah, because yeah, the, taxi the, the taxi drivers in that state or something like that film every journey for like CCTV. So and then it got leaked and in this conversation, well, what didn't they say, really? They weren't too happy about the coach. They weren't too happy about the special teams. And clearly, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan and you're kind of there and you're supporting your team, no matter the ups, the downs, the round and rounds, that's not something that you want to hear because you can cope when your team's doing bad if you know that your players are doing everything they can and their hearts are in it. But that didn't appear to be the way. Um, uh, today, we record this podcast on Tuesday, uh, the Senators have released statements on behalf of the players and also the coach and even Uber has um, released uh, a statement as well. So, you know, there's, there's public apologies here, but it does pose the question of whether players in the NHL uh, have a right to privacy really or whether they should just keep their head down keep their mouths closed and just do their job um, obviously every human has uh, a right to privacy so to speak but when you're in the public eye in this um, kind of uh, way and you're openly talking about such things is that okay I mean there's so many different perspectives to look at this uh I, automatically, I think most of us say they were wrong to do it, but they weren't necessarily going on stage with a microphone. They no. were in a cab talking amongst their mates, which, you know, is it banter? I'm not sure. It feels a bit awkward. I haven't actually watched the video. I couldn't find it. It must have been taken down. Yeah, it has. It's, on, it's, on, it's on YouTube. I've seen it. Yeah, it's, still, yeah. it's still available yeah. in certain places, but yeah, they've obviously tried to get rid <laughs> of it. How cringeworthy was it, Graham? It's, you know, it's a bunch of lads talking um, and it, it's actually quite hilarious because the taxi driver starts off by asking them what team they play for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which Who? is quite a good The start. what? Because I, I must admit, before I even started, I thought that this is a setup. Yeah. This is this is definitely a setup. And as soon as the driver asked it, I thought, no, maybe it wasn't a setup. Nah, you expect James Corden to like appear on the like driver's <laughs> seat or something like that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's just, you know, it's just guys talking. I mean, I don't know what you're like in a taxi, but I tend to not say very much in a taxi. But, you know, these are clearly guys that are talking. They're being honest and up front. They're interacting with the driver who's clearly just driving along thinking, oh, hang on, I might be into a few quid here, a few <laughs> dollars here, uh, recording all this stuff. But they obviously don't know they're being recorded. And the right to privacy, well, can you stop a bunch of guys talking in a taxi? No, and apparently well, legally well, it's okay uh, in uh, the state of Arizona, um, if uh, the person who initiated the conversation can record their own conversation, 
Um, so I think if it's in Canada, then you have to have explicit and informed consent by all parties. But weirdly, the laws in this meant that the taxi driver wasn't breaking the law. It's obviously a bit questionable when you go and give it to a paper yeah. um, and sell it. That's a different kettle of fish, really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right, really. Like morally, it's, it's a weird one. It is weird. Prob- yeah, go on, Graham. No, sorry, I was just going to say, for me, it's about how how much can you prevent it? Yeah. I mean, you then say to your players, whatever you do and whatever you want to say, don't talk in taxis about the team. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, it, for me, it's Where more about... Where does it stop? I, Where does it yeah, stop? But I think, you go I think into the toilet. Have, yeah. Yeah, I think players have a, a right to, to, to privacy. There's no doubt about it. I think anybody's entitled to a right to privacy. Mm. And it should be governed by whatever laws happen to be in effect, hopefully the right laws. Sounds like Arizona might have a little bit wrong. But... You would hope to be protected by that by those privacy laws. The problem here is it's 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 more a case of wherever you go, don't say a word just in case you're being recorded. And they were they were caught out. And I uh, let's be honest about it. I mean, I've seen the statements; they're not exactly convincing because there's not that much you can say. Because when you when you watch the video, these are clearly pretty honest opinions coming from a bunch of guys who are talking freely amongst themselves mm. in front of a complete stranger who's going to make some money off of this. And how yeah. weird how weird it is hearing hockey players or sportsmen just speaking honestly, isn't it? I mean, they because it's not that they lie; it's just that whenever you speak to a team after a loss or after they're struggling. They're always going to give the PR line because they're, you know, they're trained to within an inch of their life to give the kind of, you know, an answer that isn't going to explode in front of their face. Because they said the kind of things they said in that cab after a game, then, of course, you know, there's going to be all sorts of problems. I think that the thing about it, though, as well, it, it they are unlucky. I mean, they are really, really <laughs> unlucky because can any of us sitting here and anybody who's passed judgment on them as players or as, as just as human beings... Can they safely say that when they were that when they're in private and or they thought they were in private anyway and they were chatting away to friends as you say they have not said something bad about their colleagues or they've not moaned about their colleagues or moaned about their boss or things like that that happens I guess there is the argument of you're an NHL hockey player you've got to watch it you've got to be more careful because people care about your opinion if I start having a go about my boss in a taxi on the way home from work Taxi driver's not going to care in the slightest because, you know, it just doesn't matter. Whereas for these guys, it does matter. And obviously, you know, it's caused a, a storm like it has. But at the same time, is it, you know, are they yeah. really, like, is it really, they're just unlucky and they. But just... if you're a fan, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan right now and you're spending a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. With a season ticket, you're buying the merch, you're taking, like, you know, maybe one, two, three kids every week to see the games. And you're hearing that, you could have been very disappointed, aren't you? You could have been angry. Uh, you're, you're going to be expecting Eugene Melnick to all of a sudden appear on a new video to uh, oh. talk about how sorry he was to hear that this had happened. Wouldn't we love that? Wouldn't <laughs> we love that? That's what he should do. If Eugene Melnick had a kind of PR head on him, he should go, right, come on, Borowitzki, or whatever your name is, come and sit next to me in a basement somewhere and we'll talk again for 15 minutes and then no one will be talking about this video in an Uber it should be Melnick in the back of an Uber. 
<laughs> Video <laughs> Melnick in the back of an Uber talking the to the driver thing. about what a great organisation it is. That's the thing. Wouldn't it be great if a team just decided to go, do you know what? This is a rubbish situation. Let's just embrace this and let's just go for it. And yeah, put Melnick in the back of a cab talking about how excited everybody is about the <laughs> franchise and all of this Absolutely. kind of stuff. It's that interesting. A couple of people have mentioned this on, on Twitter. I know we, we put out a tweet on at, uh, at NHL fans from afar asking for people's opinions on this. Matt, who was on the podcast the other week said that he thinks it should be a case of you know players should keep their heads down and kind of just get on with their jobs and they shouldn't be caught doing these kind of things um and yeah. scott as well as also personally i wouldn't do it in front of someone else either driver because it's unprofessional particularly if you have a high profile being a professional sportsman um you know it, it kind of brings in that thing about social media as well because you see uh there are different kind of rules aren't there in in within nhl teams and again i think this is enforced obviously from the gm down isn't it of whether players um have social media use it or not what they can and they can't i guess it's probably drawn into their contract tracks in yeah. some places and yeah, um, but there was quite a lot of criticism about um it, you know when they're kind of always posting about playing Fortnite or playing on their xbox all the time and whether that's appropriate and um and they, they are often scrutinized by that and i know um because graham obviously you uh cover and follow the elite league um it's certainly when uh players have been on social media in the elite league as professional players and have made comments about the referees about uh coaches or, or just generally situations um the league has actually fined players for doing such a thing so i do wonder whether they'll be i guess it'll be handled as an internal investigation let's say but i wonder whether these players will face any kind of disciplinary action as a result of this i it would be hard to in a way because what they were saying is kind of true <laughs> like, like uh, all right the bit about the coach being boring or whatever it was or, or not being interested i mean that's subjective obviously but there you know I know there is some truth to what they're saying, but do you not th- do you not think on what you were saying, and this does take us slightly away from it, and maybe it's something we can talk more about uh, in more depth at another time. But do you not think there is a real hypocrisy amongst media that we want these players to be personalities, and we want these players, and we will criticise them when they come out and say these boring post-match statements, and when they don't give anything, but then as soon as they give anything, we slam them for it, like it's and. I just don't get it. I can't understand what fans want because fans seemingly want their players to show personality, to show, to be honest, to say things. But then as soon as they are honest or say things or do anything that's slightly out of the mould, then they get criticised for it. Yeah, but I'm not sure they would have said these opinions on Mike so openly. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that so much. But when you're mentioning about, you know, Fortnite, playing Fortnite or something like that, if you mention that on Twitter... You know, fans will come out and say, well, they should be focusing on the game. They should be focusing on playing hockey. They should be practicing hockey all the time because you're not playing well. And as soon as they have a bad game, then you go, well, well, you're playing Fortnite until 1am in the morning or something (laughs) like that. But then when they come out and they don't give anything, we're constantly just looking for information about them. It just seems like a massive hypocrisy. That's a big word. Hypocrisy. Can you spell uh, it? Not a chance. I can hardly say it, let alone spell it. Yeah, to see. me from fans. Whereas I want to know more about my players, but oh, if they do tell me too much, and then I go. Mm. Well, that seems like an ample time to kind of move on then to uh, to players and personality. Just getting I... into rant mode, Claire. Can you tell? I was just Clearly. starting to move my chair back. And Same forth. words you can't say yeah, or spell. 
<laughs> just throwing him in there anyway. <laughs> so I put in, um, I threw in this uh, topic about mock dives and oh. players oh, acting great, out the drama. Great. Bring it on, come on. Is it entertaining or just downright stupid? Right, so there was a situation <laughs> in the National Predators and Boston Bruins game the other day where Brad Martians, um, he had, there was a, a little collision in one of the, against the boards with Colton Sissons. And uh, it seemed to be that Colton kind of put his hand over his, uh, his visor. And then what ensued afterwards was Brad seemed to uh, take it upon himself to not just once, not just twice, but several times reenact what his version or perception of uh, Colton's uh, dive or kind of whatever Simulation. it was that he did. Yes, he, he decided to reenact it, um, which is quite hilarious. I have to say, I, I thought it was uh, very entertaining to watch because, as you say, you often just see very little emotion. Um, there's not as much drama as there used to be when it comes to a lot of the physicality. Not as much as there used to be in the Bruins game anyway. Um, so it was a, a rare chance of a little giggle of a moment, you know, when there's uh, not much happening. Um, and then the ref gave him 2 plus 10 for unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. I mean... What what are your thoughts, Graham? First, do you uh, do do you think it's is it funny or is it just uh, if you were watching it as a fan, you just think, oh, for God's sake, we don't need any penalties right now. Just get on with it. I think having seen it on on the on the video, I think he he had a point <laughs> because. I think this was this was a high sticking, wasn't it? Yeah, where the it was, yeah. where the reaction came about ten seconds after the actual incident. So <laughs> yeah. so there's there's no doubt that Marshan had a point about Sisson's reaction to what had happened. How he made that point, I think. You know what? I I, I would rather he just licked him. <laughs> <laughs> that to me would be funny. Any hey, I'm going to defend Leo Komarov and say no, he should not do that. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, that. you need oh. to given... set some context there. No, well, I don't given... think we should. I don't think we should. I think we should just leave it like that. Well, well, let... Google Brad Marchand licking at day. Yeah, that's what to do. But given that he's not allowed, given that he's not allowed to lick anymore, no, then not. seriously, he's got to he's got to do something else to entertain now. So this is what he's going to do. I I think it was OTT, but it was Brad Marchand, and that's what Brad Marchand does. So I don't. I don't like to see it, but I don't have a particular problem with it, to be fair. I went full circle with it. So I initially saw just the clip. So I saw somebody tweet just the clip of his reaction. So this was the bit where the puck had gone up the ice and then the camera was on Marchand. And then away from the play, Marchand just grabs his face and falls on the floor with about two foot away from the player next to him. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I watched that video and I was fuming. I thought, you know what? This guy is going to bring in diving into the NHL. He's going to bring in everything I hate about watching football in this country. He's going to bring it in. There's going to be players. He's going to start a trend of players doing this to try and get opposition players sent to the penalty box. And I just thought, I I already hate this guy now. God, the feeling of raw hatred towards him was just huge. However... I then went and thought, you know what? I need to see more of this. I need to see it within context. So I did go on and watch the full kind of, you know, bit of the game where it happened. And I I agree with you, Graham. I actually, I kind of brought my feelings back a little bit after watching it all because quite rightly, Brad Marchand was was wrongly done for high sticking because he shouldn't have been done. The player, I can't remember, Sissons, wasn't it, who uh, he made a meal of it and 
wasn't hit by the stick, or if he was, it was a graze. It was nothing like the reaction he gave. Brad Marchand then goes up, does his thing, and makes a point and falls over, gets sent for two minutes and then a 10-minute game, whatever it is. Uh, Do you know what? I actually think, fine, that that feels okay to just move on. Like He did a goofy thing where he was pointing out an injustice that he felt, which was probably true and genuine, and he got his, whatever, 12 minutes or something like that sitting in the box, and now you can move on. The bit where I was worried about it for the sport was, without that first bit, I thought he was doing it just to try and get the other guy penalised, which was the worrying thing for me, because that was the bit where I was like, the NHL should throw the rule book at him again. Like, he should get 10-game suspension. But for me, the fact that he was reacting to an injustice, he just did it in a Brad Marchand way, didn't it? I mean, imagine being Brad Marchand and thinking, right, well, I want to make a point. I can't just go and have a chat to the referee like any normal NHL player does. I've got a reputation for licking. I've got a reputation <laughs> for doing all of these weird things. He's He must sit there and think, well, if I'm annoyed, what am I going to do this time? Oh, I know, I'm just going to fall around like Bambi on ice. <laughs> I think you're right that he's the type of player who you'd love him to be on your team. But if he's not on your yeah. team... Just go away. I said this right at the start of the podcast, yeah. and I I can't stand him as a Toronto fan. He did he did things to to my players that I wouldn't do to my worst <laughs> enemies, and uh, but <laughs> likewise, I know people feel the same about Nazim Kadri. You know when they play him, and I love that guy. I, you know, and he's he's somebody who I will even if he does things that I would think, oh Naz, what are you doing? You still love him, and every every team has one of these players. I just think Brad Marchand is at the top of the league of being like that. And if you're a Boston Bruins fan, you're right to love him, even though everybody else in the league can't stand him. Mm. And let, let's not lose sight of the fact that Brad Marchand then scored the overtime goal, that's, winning goal against Dallas Stars last night. So, so good. There you go. He is yeah. so good. <laughs> He's and a good player. You, you know, how many times have you seen a highlight reel of the Boston Bruins and it's like Marchand just takes the puck and just decides, well, I'm going to score now and just skates past everyone and scores. And, you know, people say, well, why does he why does he do all of this stuff with this on ice, off ice stuff and all of this messing around? It's just the kind of player he is. And I just wonder whether he is so good. He's just so, so good. I half wonder whether this just kind of keeps him interested, like some of the time, because he does. He is that good that he makes hockey look easy. And there aren't many players who can do that. That's the last time I'm ever going to say a compliment about Brad Marchand on this. Wow. There you go. Wow. Let's um let's just uh, reference a few of the other things that have happened uh, over the last few days. Uh, we can't not mention Helsinki uh, hat trick for Patrick. Yeah. I like yeah. that that little phrase. Uh, mixed bag actually for Jets and Panthers. They got two points apiece, which mm. uh, we know that Jonathan, who was the Jets fan we had on last week, uh, wasn't isn't going to be too happy about because he said that Jets really needed to get these uh, four points in the bag. <laughs> yeah, um, if you travel all that way over there you want to try and get the points from that because it's it, you know it mucks up your schedule and you want to it you know that schedule being mucked up doesn't feel half as bad if you come back with four points mm, i actually watched um some of the uh, helsinki games mm-hmm. Was it good? um yeah yeah i watched it on um uh, the freeview channel free sports oh, yeah. actually yeah. um and the, i mean the introductions for it were absolutely amazing i mean they put, brought in some uh oh god i should really know his name but some a finished led 
legend who played in the NHL for years at the very start. Um, uh, they had a, a, a Finnish guy singing uh, the national anthems and he had the lowest voice I've ever known. <laughs> I was thinking, my, my flat's vibrating, his voice is so low. It was incredible. You know, when you have to stop and be like, what is that? Um, but it, it really was an amazing show. I mean, the NHL does such a good job at the start of games, isn't it? You know, with all the lights and the videos on the ice. But this, it was unbelievable uh, because you don't have to see that stuff in highlights. When you go and watch the full game, then you kind of take in the bits before, don't you? And the, the honours and the mentions and the anthems and stuff. But I, I was really wowed because uh, previously... You know, not that we'd kind of been critical, but we're a bit like, is the global series really worth it? Do we not just want to get on with the with the season? Um, and it was a very uh, big to do, put it that way. Mm. Um, other things uh, I put here: what the hell happened to Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, I just wrote that uh, shut mm. out by the Leafs five nil. Sorry, what Thanks. can I say that? Can you just say that again? Yeah, yeah, shut out by by, by the who? By by the Maple Leafs. Oh, and that team that can't score. Yeah, yeah, with John Tavares, who's just okay. Everyone was saying, <laughs> yeah, just okay. Yeah. And then they had a 5-1 loss to New Jersey Devils as well. Um, so, is. I mean, I was just looking around to see uh, what uh, their coach, uh, Sullivan, was um, you know, mentioning because Matt Murray is a decent goalie. He's a, um, he's a well, he's a world class goalie on his absolutely. day. Absolutely. And so, looking at the comments that were coming out of Pittsburgh, uh, all that Coach Sullivan said was, "There are times when he's strong. There are times where it's a struggle. We've got to find consistency in our games." Yeah. And it's surprising, isn't it, when you look at some of these things that have happened over last week? Chicago Blackhawks get rid of their coach for a 33-year-old. Who the heck is he? Mm. Pittsburgh Penguins, who have been flying high, suddenly now have this for a a last couple of games Um, there are so many surprises and things can change in this crazy game so quickly that no one is ever safe, no team is ever safe despite your history despite your unbelievable top 10 goal scorers even in this situation um, I think that Sidney Crosby was very unlucky uh, in in the last couple of games when I watched some of the highlights. But Are you saying, Claire, that you're expecting Mike Sullivan to be sacked before next week's podcast? <laughs> Is this what you're saying? And, and you're replaced gonna... with a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Sidney Crosby's child. I don't even know if he has kids, but if he had like a 10-year-old you know, son. <laughs> you know things are bad when Sidney Crosby has to start a fight to try and get the team yeah, going. Yeah, As I, happened last night. Yeah. I know. Where, where did that come from? He's not a very good fighter, but no, no. He, he tried. He I tried. mean, hey, he's a. Who needs to be a good fighter when you're that good at hockey? Uh, one of the other things, I yeah, the Pittsburgh thing is one of those things I think will pass. I think they're just going through a bit of a tough time, and Can the just, season's so you know, long. You know, when uh, I was watching the highlights the other day, and again, it's one of those really sad things that just like makes you go, "Oh, that's interesting." Okay. When. Mitch Marner was uh, skating along the boards, I think, and the puck got stuck inside his skate. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you want to have a bit of a giggle, just Google Mitch Marner, <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins, um, uh, like puck in puck skate. Puck in skate or something Right, like and that. he's doing this little dance. Now, someone needs to make that into um, a, a, a gif. Yeah, they do. Gif, whatever you call it. Gif. Meme. Come on, come on, Claire. I don't know. Come on. 
Um, but he was just doing like this little shaky dance on one foot and it, this puck was not coming out. And in the end, he just sticks his leg out like a right little diva and then the, the ref just pulls it out. It's like as if saying, do my lace up, please. <laughs> what I really wanted him to do once he realised it, I just thought he should skate to the goal. I just thought he should like <laughs> skate to the goal and stick his foot over the goal line and Is just to see goal? what happened. Is it a goal? I genuinely don't know. No, because no, I thought kick, they... Kicking motion, kicking, definitely kicking yes. motion. Well, yeah. no, but you could not have <laughs> a kicking not... motion. You could like just leave your limp leg to kind of drag it along through over the ice. I think he missed such a great opportunity there. That would have caused, oh, there would have been a fight. Mitch Marner would have had his first fight. <laughs> oh my god no it was brilliant um i, lo- I love that it was uh, it was brilliant one other thing i want to mention uh, as we're kind of going around some other teams is uh brian boyle scoring a hat trick on hockey fights cancer night it's this incredible thing that the nhl do where they um you know everyone wears kind of purple jerseys in warm-up and things like that and they raise a load of money for uh, cancer charities and Brian Boyle, I mean, we won't go into the stories now, but if you want to find out more about what an incredible guy he is, just stick his name into Google and there will be a ton of articles just showing what that guy has fought through, having cancer himself mm-hmm. while playing as a professional athlete and how he is still managing to play at a top level, which is just incredible. And the stories that that he has talked about with his fight and playing are incredible yeah and his son it affected his family so hard and for him to score a hat-trick I remember last season um I can't remember who it was on the Devils that got injured or or pulled out but anyway uh, the New Jersey Devils player who was going to go to the all-star game didn't go uh so they sent Brian Boyle Mm. which was just brilliant there are times when hockey teams just get it right and sending Brian Boyle to the all-star game was just amazing. And to see that he scored a hat-trick on Hockey Fights Cancer Night is just amazing. And I just think it's so great that that happened. And well done, him. Yeah. Well, Graham, it's been an honour to have you with us. Thank you for sharing your vast knowledge. No, I don't know about that, but thank you. (laughs) Uh, Just let people know uh, where they can check out your podcast as well, Purple Army. Yeah, we're at uh, at Purple Army Pod on uh, on Twitter, and uh, so we're really easy to find. Or just Google Purple Army Podcast, and I'm on Twitter at Clamtastic. And you like dinosaurs? That's what I always remember. Your question well, to I, players is always about dinosaurs, isn't it? Yeah, I ask. I've got. I've, I've had a few NHLers respond as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting. One of these days, I'm going to write a book and do a psychological profile of everybody and what their favourite dinosaur says about them. But I think somebody's already done that, but not for NHL players. So the only thing well, is, what's your favourite dinosaur? Uh, my favourite <laughs> dinosaur is the Triceratops. Yeah, um, I, de- I definitely knew that was a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, so no particular reason, but uh, it's a it's a hell of a lot different than T Rex, which is what I get most of the time. But Patrick Liney, incidentally, responded when I asked him, and uh, his was T Rex. But I've got that in video; it's quite good that he answered my question on video. So, oh, that's cool. That's a little bit of a claim to fame. Yeah. Wow. Do you know that the chicken is related to the uh, T Rex? Uh, I did read that somewhere. I might have seen that in Jurassic Park, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Though. My local park I, it had uh, animal facts, and that was one of the animal facts that the chicken uh, is is uh, related distantly, obviously, to the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Graham. I mean, that's about as enthusiastic as I could have answered that one from Claire. <laughs> 
Hey, I said that I'm Statman. Yeah. Uh, keeping up my name. So I've, I've got one quick thing to mention before uh, we finish. I was at, um, the other night, I was at a bonfire celebrations at uh, Withenshaw Park in uh, Manchester area. And uh, it was ju- kind of just coming to the end of the evening and we were walking back and um, I spotted, right? I spotted somebody walking around in a Mitch Marner jersey. Wow. A Mitch Marner jersey. This year's one in Withenshaw Park in Manchester. I still get a kick from that. And that is the joy of supporting a minority sport over here in the UK. Whenever you see somebody in your team's colours, oh, it's a good feeling. And you instantly have a connection to that person. Well, weirdly, just picking up on that. So um, I told you, Geraldine, that I changed my um, wallpaper on my my phone. You did, didn't you? This I've was changed after, it. This was yeah. after the chat that uh, during the Dallas Toronto game, the uh, the WhatsApp group that was going around between me, Matt, and Claire, we were then daring each other to change our uh, phone yeah. backgrounds. So I dared was... you to put a topless picture of <laughs> Nylander... Kasperi Kapanen. Yes. <laughs> on holiday in the summer. Absolutely. Oh, that got some looks at uh, work the next day. Well, you never guess what happened in mind. So I put a lovely picture of Austin Matthews like just thinking if I put Austin Matthews on my phone then maybe he'll get better. Yeah. And yeah, it's I hope the you picture after that phone. Yeah, and and <laughs> I put put the picture of him in his turtleneck jumper oh. as he appeared on the front of GQ. And yesterday at work mm. a lady said to me, "Oh, is that your boyfriend? He looks lovely. <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell her no. So I just went, yeah. Funnily enough, Claire, somebody said the same thing about Kasperi Kapanen on my phone as well. But I, know, I didn't know. I, I just didn't want to go into it. There's too much explaining to do. Oh, anyway, next week we're talking San Jose Sharks with a doctor from Macclesfield. Just before we go, Graham, uh, we need to get your predictions for the uh, Stanley Cup this year. We've asked every guest so far. Uh, could we get your predictions for the Stanley Cup final? And then if you want to, you can say who you think is going to win it. So a team from the East and a team mm. from the West. Okay. Uh, Take your sorry, time. Guys. It's a podcast. Don't no, worry. We can edit right. it. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I just hate to do this to you. Tampa Bay Lightning. Really? Against, yeah. Yeah. I think the Lightning are going to come really good eventually. Um, I and have I'm a horrible s- feeling you might be right. <laughs> and I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, Nashville Predators. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's my pick. And a winner, I think the Lightning will win it. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think this is their year. I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm sounding surprised, but then I've just had a quick look at the league and you've done a very clever thing by picking the top two teams. I like what you've done there. Nashville are currently yeah, that, top of the that, NHL and Tampa Bay are second. That, honestly, that was not deliberate. I wasn't looking at the league teams, but I stand by what I said. Oh, <laughs> also, dear. can I just say very, very quickly, I know we need to go, but very quickly, Calgary, right? who supposedly have not had the best of starts, are like third in the NHL. Third in the NHL overall. I keep, we need a Calgary fan. I keep trying refreshing my screen to see whether I'm looking at last year's league, but there's all these talk of Calgary struggling. And there's been some really interesting teams who have who everyone wrote off, including myself, at the start of the season. Calgary weren't one of them, but they have struggled. New York Islanders, Montreal, Vancouver are doing really well. We need to talk about Elias Pedersen, or Pedersen, as I've heard some people call him uh, at some point in a future podcast. Um, There's just so much going on. Who'd have thought Florida Panthers and LA Kings would be bottom of the NHL? Anything can happen in this crazy sport. All right. 
we've got to wrap up. But next week we're talking San Jose Sharks with a doctor from Macclesfield. <laughs> of course we are. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter. We're at NHL Fans From Afar. If you could subscribe to this podcast, that would be fantastic. Uh, leave us a review on whatever uh, device or whatever app you download your podcast on. That would be great too. And tell your friends about it. If you know somebody else who's an NHL fan from afar who you like chatting to about NHL or about ice hockey, then why not just mention this podcast? It would be great to get them listening to and get them involved. I mean, next week we're talking about zoos and beards. What more do they want in a podcast? I kind of feel like after your uh, fascination with dinosaurs earlier, which I know aren't in zoos currently because they're extinct, but just go with me on this. With your fascination on dinosaurs earlier, Claire, and your already well-established fascination with Joe Thornton's beard, I'm going to be very much a third wheel next week. I think I'm just going to sit back and let you uh, talk about all of the different Brett Burns style of beards. There we go. Factorama. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.